0: Hello, everyone. So uh, welcome to Alias and to a new episode of Banyan with Ronnie Shatak.
1: Thank and you. And I'm you. handing
0: it over.
2: It's the first episode with Samir, the new audio expert. He deserves a round of applause. He's terrific. It's a rare occasion where I get to sit with this gentleman here, Albert Costanian. So a round of applause for Albert. He gave me the green light to be hard on him tonight. <laughs> Go ahead. Good, I like that. Go ahead. Kill <laughs> me. No, no, no. I don't have Monday night uh, <laughs> anything else to do, so I want to keep watching you. I'd like to start this episode by saying that in the last three years, in particular since October 17, 2019, of the hundreds of new, new faces that I've met on the street, Of the new people that I speak with on a regular basis, that I read, that I turn to for analysis, for persuasion, even for thought process. You stand on your own. You're terrific at what you do. And I think civil society, the movement that is civil society entering politics, owes a lot of gratitude to you. And I say this because Monday night is reserved for Vision 2030. And I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast do the same thing. I'll start soft. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. In addition to that, we'll wrap up with the subject of what is Kaluna Eirada doing today? We'll leave that to the end, but there's a lot of meat in the middle. And I thought it'd be quite nice to get in to the most sensitive subject that we've experienced the last few days, which is a return to sectarian discourse that is rather ugly. And I think that transcends the conversation, except the last maybe few days, it took a very ugly turn on social media, on television. And it became the kind of topic that I think our parents used to discuss a generation ago. It's an unflattering uh, conversation, but it's an important question. This time zone fiasco. Do you think that that is an inescapable problem with or without all the good work you do that civil society does in that a few characters can emerge, touch on extremely sensitive subjects, and suddenly we're talking about power sharing, communal anxiety? And I'm going to actually mention you were quoted in a L'Orient de Jour piece, I think it's either yesterday or two days ago, that you had to mention this as well. Insecurity among sects. Is this something that is just inescapable yeah.
3: thank you ronnie for hosting me um it's a big pleasure and um i, I believe you you are also doing um you are, you are playing a major role in the same uh let's say um galaxy of of uh, of things uh, which is uh Uh, thinking to invite people to think uh, and to go beyond their comfort zone Uh, and that you host very diverse profile. um, And this is very, very important. Uh, So yes, I believe this is inevitable Mm. uh, when the dream crashes. Yeah. So today the problem with this hour uh, thing, it's symptomatic of the absence of a common dream and a common project. Uh, a country cannot live without a common narrative, without a common project, without uh, common references, uh, um, without common institutions, uh, without a dream that we all uh, live uh, to, um, to implement or to, to see becoming a reality. What's happening in Lebanon is that the current model uh, has crashed. Um, And when the current model crashes, you are seeking as a citizen or as an individual to get rid of everything that it represents and to seek for another dream, another narrative. Mm -hmm. The problem is that the national narrative, uh, the new Lebanon narrative that uh, I hope we will be able to develop uh, tonight Mm -hmm. has lost a lot of uh, ground. Uh, After October 17 we had like a national narrative uh, that came out. And this national na- narrative resulted in a political fiasco or in a political, let's say, a very mitigated result. And today people want to get rid of the dominant narrative and they are looking, what can I find as a substitute mm. narrative? So you have this new Lebanon narrative that united us all uh, in October 17, that yeah. didn't give uh, uh, the desired results. So as a result of that, people are going back to the older narrative, to the, uh, 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 we say in French, the plea. So we are, uh, everyone is uh, looking in his own backyard, trying to safeguard what they can safeguard from their dream by having smaller ambition uh, that is related to their neighbors, their village, right. their sect, people that resembles them. Whereas a project is, by definition, uh, done mm-hmm. with diversity, with citizens, with people of diverse horizons. And today, this project has uh, taken a severe blow. Uh, and I believe it is our duty, the duty of media, the duty mm-hmm. of young politicians to revive it but in a sober and realistic (laughs) manner. The uh, poetry about Lebanon and uh, there is no sectarianism in Lebanon. We are all the same. Uh, Sectarianism is a sickness and so on. This has failed. Uh, So any new project must be rooted in reality, must address fears of individual and sects, but we must transcend all that. You cannot... Uh, uh, have a project that only uh, 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 observe uh, the reality of things and say, okay, this is the reality, let's cope with it. A national project must transcend it. And this needs to be written yet. Uh, I believe yeah. that this is not written or clearly defined. And this is what we are seeing today. What I liked about
2: the way you commented and Lorian Le Jour, I'll sum it up, because it was actually quite a lengthy piece. There were two solid paragraphs But that you were acknowledging that there is a certain insecurity felt among at least a plurality, if not more, of Christians in Lebanon. That they see their position or their role in politics as on the decline. That's not new either. We've both grown up with that kind of dialogue, that discourse and time zone difference can just sort of pull the rug and it's still there. So it's good to hear that there's an acknowledgement of one community's place in Lebanon long-term. But I'd like to pick your brain on the country we've grown up with and why something simple like the Senate never took hold. And I think about this on my own regularly. It's something that you can move from geopolitics. You can move maybe away from many regional issues. And that's a Lebanese issue, mostly something that we don't have and we should have grown up with, which is Taif's third statement, a sectarian Senate. Can you best explain in your mind why it's not
3: there? Yes, uh, I'll answer maybe in two parts. Mm -hmm. The first part is what I said to Lorient Le Jour, but uh, they took only extract of a longer uh, talk. So what I said is that Christian fears regarding Lebanon are not justified by uh, the institutional uh, power b- brokerage of uh, of uh, of the state. So mm. the, the Christian have 50% of the MPs, right. 50% of the council of ministers. They are very well represented in the state. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe this is the root cause of their fears. Mm. The root cause is that everyone, including the Christian, but any decent Sunni or Shia or Druze, any uh, person with uh, like civilizational, uh, uh aspiration to yeah. this country is looking around him or her and saying this country is going, uh, uh in, in a bad way. Mm. So we are losing the country. Mm. This country doesn't meet our aspirations anymore. And this is because of the current system and current politician. So I'm going to seek elsewhere for another system that will respond to my aspiration. And the easy answer to all that is a sectarian yeah, system. Yeah. Let's live among each others, Christian. Let the Sunni live with the Sunni and etc. Sectarian like partition, not the sectarian I believe we have. that the discourse, and it, this is my problem with yeah. uh, federalist. Yeah. I, I spent years explaining to people that federation is not separation. Today, I believe that the proponents of federalism are asking for a separation. I It's agree not with... a federation that they are asking for. Federation is about unity. It's about a national project mm. and then a system of governance. Today, I only hear about division and why we should divide people on a sectarian basis. And this is very worrying for me because it's not a federation it's a segregation it's a separation
2: i completely agree with you and i'll actually take it a step further before going back to the senate it shouldn't take an a time zone dispute to bring out the worst in people yes and i think and i think it's fair to say this that even the most open minded of federalists in lebanon went down that road a little too fast and it was a bit uncalled for that lebanon should be torn apart simply because two politicians made a last minute decision. So I share that sentiment that it's one step away from divorce. And I think that's been even stated on your show. Yes. Somebody I've had on my podcast, Hisham in the in the past, I don't think would have gone that far. But then within a few months, suddenly, well, if federalism doesn't work, we're going out.
3: creating a new country. That was the conclusion in my show. Exactly. And I I was struck by the fact that when you present a a federation project, I'm going to repeat a bit myself, but it's very, very important. You uh, develop what unites us, uh, you develop national institution. I was struck when I read the project, mm. not of Isham but of another group, they don't have any national election. Yeah. The election are only on the Canton level, and I don't know any federation in the world that doesn't have national election. Even the European Union, which is technically a confederation of states, have national election because they have European election. Right. So in their project, They want to separate completely people based on sects. And this, I'm not, uh, I do not abide by the thinking. I respect it. everyone has the right to defend a position, but this is definitely not mine.
2: I'll even go further. One of the best episodes I've had is with a staunch federalist, Hiyad Bustani, and he's not as visible as Hisham Bounasif. I don't know if they even get along, but you can talk about it in an academic way. And you can even point at maybe that there are certain advantages if it's applied in a way that makes sense, not in a way that implies divorce. But I want to go back to the Senate. And the reason I'm bringing this subject up repeatedly in 2023 is because 33 years of no Senate, at least to me, hence at 33 years of a parliament that could have done better. Yes. The merit-based parliament that i think would have brought in a lot of people that we admire that run against each other yeah. simply because of the sectarianism in parliament channeling that in a mosaic and a senate that relieves us of that burden once and for all do you have an answer in your mind yes why it doesn't why it simply doesn't
3: exist in, in fact i do not completely agree with your mm-hmm. vision vision on the senate uh, okay, to go back to the root cause, I, I believe that Ta'if was more a circumstantial agreement mm. uh, that had its objectives, and it, it was a bit uh, bound by a certain timing and a certain uh, power-sharing uh, uh, agreement, namely to end or to facilitate the, the ending of war. Uh, Taif uh, constitution is very broad and subject to interpretation. Uh, you have Article 95, uh, which is about the uh, the transition to a, a more secular state. And you have also uh, uh, the Senate that is also uh, mentioned in, in other articles. Um, okay, this is not really well defined. And I'll give you a scenario where the Senate... Could really uh, uh, endanger the Republic and lead to uh, uh, exactly the negative uh, or a negative or an opposed uh, objective than the one Mm -hmm. you are citing. If you put all the powers in the hand of the Senate, because the article uh, in Taif says that essential matters are ruled out by the Senate. What is essential matters? So, time zone dispute is something very uh, yeah, time zone dispute. But if, if the budget is an essential matter, mm-hmm. uh, education is an essential matter, uh, uh, healthcare is an essential matter, urban development, everything can be considered as an essential matter.
2: It doesn't, so, doesn't focus on sectarian matters that are, in other words, not essential in terms of economy
3: no it doesn't say that it Mm. doesn't say that it says essential matter and if you go in a total sectarian spirit Mm. i would i could argue that education uh, could touch uh, the rights of uh, sects and urban development as well and Mm. the state budget etc so i believe that taif is a good transition mm. toward uh, maybe a state that is more uh, uh, functioning, that is more modern, but it suffers uh, from a lot of ambiguity. But let's go with the ambiguity as far as we can. And no? I, I love this word, uh, but by the way, I believe, and I thank you, because you, you said today, uh, n- n- uh, I believe you l- labeled me as being... Uh, oh,
2: a nuanced analyst. A nuanced.
3: Yeah. So I believe today in Lebanon, we are lacking nuances. And today, because we are becoming more extreme and extreme, nuanced uh, n- nuanced positions uh, do not have anymore the ear of the public, you know. And nuance is something very important. And uh, with age, uh, I'm growing older, like everyone. I'm becoming more and more nuanced because I'm learning that every position or every point of view has its merits. And uh, uh, th- there is no absolute truth and absolute uh, uh, wrong, you know? So it's a debate and you, I always have a nuanced position about practically everything. So uh, before we get back to the Senate, I'll, yes. since we're complimenting
2: each other, <laughs> um, you're not inclusive for popularity. You're nuanced to raise and elevate the standard. And that's why I think of you as one of the most essential thinkers today in Lebanon. So it's hats off to you. I don't know if I deserve that. I think you you. do. I think you do. Nuance is just the beginning of that giant mountain that you've created. Um, Now let me be hard on you. (laughs) Can I continue on Ta'if? You're going to close the Ta'if. I want to add one more thing about Ta'if. Yeah, Because you mentioned ambiguity and I agree. Yeah, We don't know what it's like. We don't know what it would have looked like anyway. That's 33 years of no Senate. Yeah. But let's go down that road. So what if it's essential issues? You could still have a merit-based parliament yeah. with many more impressive actors yeah. that don't have to fight each other for elections. They can actually work together. And we don't care what sect they're from anymore. Yeah, They're based on merit. The sectarian Senate handles the most sensitive subjects, which could include what you're describing, but that's simply two chambers that are trying to figure it out. I can imagine us in a better place with even that kind of situation.
3: Listen, I I totally agree with the vision. So Mm. for me, one of the solutions is to develop Ta'if. I I believe this room opened by Ta'if agreement, we must invest it. Uh, and we must go beyond it because also beyond Taif, there are problems in the in the constitution. Mm. This country is not governable in the current constitution. You you must have the right also to uh, um, uh, co- abolish parliament. Uh, you you yeah. have uh, to have a true separation of powers. There are f- very few words about the judiciary system mm-hmm. in the current constitution. You have many flaws. Yeah. But Taif direction is a direction that we can investigate but we need to be more precise we need to embody ta'if with true ideas i believe ta'if as it is today it's meant and designed to be a temporary permanent constitution because ta'if is by essence the constitution of today not ta'if the second Mm -hmm. republic Mm -hmm. constitution is by essence a temporary constitution it's one of the few constitutions in the world that has inside it Article 95, a mechanism of evolution. So with the current politician, they always use it as a threat. Yeah. So they would say, okay, you are against me. We will abolish sectarianism. So Christians are afraid. Uh, Sunnis are afraid. Druze are afraid. Yeah. And always the reaction is, okay, let's stay in the current power sharing agreement. So we must thinkers, constitutionalist uh, po- political Parties don't have a program to embody Taif. So, mm-hmm. what is this Haya La at Who composed it? Yeah. What is the mandate? What is the, the time frame? What do we do with the so called presidency? The president of the republic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the prime minister, and the president of the parliament or the speaker. Mm-hmm. Do we keep them uh, uh, allocated on a sectarian base? Can you have a civil or a non sectarian parliament while the main uh, uh, posts of the country are allocated on a sectarian base, plus you have a Senate that is really powerful, I don't think so. So I believe it's a package deal. But let me ask you, Albert, let's say I I share the sentiment that it's it's a roadmap
2: at best. It is a roadmap. Let's say we go down that road. Yes. Could you imagine a way to mitigate this sectarianism within governance? Of course. But that does not that is completely avoiding the Senate. In other
3: words, no. uh, no, I I am with the Senate. Okay. But I am with the Senate in a very restrictive sense. Okay. Uh, Okay. Uh, So something that is uh, the Senate powers must be Uh, related to everything that undermines the National Pact of 1943. So it's the most sectarian
2: sensitive subject. Absolutely.
3: And they can have a say on other issues, Mm -hmm. but like the French system. In France, they have a Senate that represents the region, but the the Senate is infeodated to the National Assembly. So they can vote those, they read it, but in case of a disagreement, uh, it's the National Assembly that prevails. So we should do the same thing, except on really essential matters that are pertaining to the National Pact, where the Senate uh, will prevail. Mm-hmm. I believe that in Lebanon, we should have an equilibrium between sectarianism and modern state. And this is the history of Lebanon. We are always navigating between El-Milal, the Miye system, and the modern state, l'état-nation, since the 19th century. And I believe that we cannot go this way uh, towards a pure sectarian system like the uh, uh, The, Mm ethno-federation, and we cannot go also towards a pure secular state that will not recognize uh, the sect's rights Uh, uh, to to exist and uh, the the civil laws of the sects and so on. That is recognized today by uh, articles of the constitution. So it's an equilibrium that we must find, but we have to be precise. We have to define things. And Taif opened a way, but didn't, uh, isn't precise enough. So you've just
2: outlined the most, the the broadest story of what reform means to Lebanon, because what you're actually channeling is the desire to reform the state. Yes. Not from something that's unrecognizable to something unrecognizable, no. Yes. Something that is maybe Ottoman in its history, but fits the 21st century better. Absolutely. That's reform to me. Absolutely. Do you think, and I'm asking you as a citizen, not as the chairman of a group, forget I'm asking about your lens only, from your side. Do you think the reform-minded MPs, when they were campaigning, the ones that didn't make it in, and the ones that made it in. Do you think that they were not selling this message right? That there was this almost hesitation to not embrace sectarianism, but to explain it better? Because I felt that there was this reluctance to um, almost a knee-jerk reaction to say secularism is all we need, will solve all our problems. I
3: agree. So I believe, and I do not blame them, I believe that uh, the change MPs and all the the non MPs or I all not this and, <laughs> and <laughs> Kuluna Irada. Mm. Okay, we were victim of a context. Also, we are always victim of a context. The mm. context uh, wanted to create a way for change. Mm. So, at, back at that time, it was enough to say, "I am new, you are old. I am changed, you are not changed. So I am better than you. So people will vote for me." Yeah. And this is Politics 101. Uh, and mm. we saw that when they got elected and when the wave was beyond us, uh, they were faced with real life problems. Right. And saying, I am a change MP or I'm a change, I'm, I am new, you are old, doesn't solve the issue. Mm-hmm. So back then we tried uh, to embody all that in a program that is precise enough uh, uh, to face or to propose something, because. We need a project for a new Lebanese century. Uh, this country is uh, practically 100 year uh, years old. Uh, greater Lebanon. Uh, I, I believe uh, that the country consolidated a lot. Uh, so I, I genuinely believe that we are Lebanese. We have a lot of ties, mm. but also we have a multicultural, cultured uh, society, which is very nice, and I want to preserve it. We have also individuals that are the summum. uh, They they are, the, for me, uh, at the top of the value ladder. It's Mm. the individuals. Mm. And those are crushed by the system. The individual in Lebanon is crushed by the system. You are crushed by your sect. You are crushed by your state. So we must liberate the individual by having a modern system. And this was not the time back in these elections Mm. because... Mm. Change was sufficient. So why bother and define change? Why bother and define a project? Why uh, bother and define an economical, political, constitutional, social uh, project? Why bother and and say how you're going to fight Hezbollah Mm -hmm. that is hijacking the state? I'm a change candidate. People are going to vote for me. This has changed. So today we, we are facing a test. We are facing something new. In the, in the coming years where those people who, who, who are going to present themselves must uh, go deep into the political program to convince reluctant people. Not,
2: not to make it too bleak, but I always sense that if this sectarian governance issue is not fully understood or at least explained by those that want to be reformists, whether they're in parliament or outside, I fear that the divorce crowd their numbers are going to grow. And their voices, it seems like, are not being quelled. They're actually legitimizing themselves. Yes, And I don't want that to be the end of the story, that it just simply ends up as a partition state. It doesn't even have to be full divorce, but it could be something that ruins the cosmopolitanism I think that you're channeling through. That's why I I share the sentiment that I'd rather be in a cosmopolitan country and not an ethnocentric, batron or a purified Genov. I want my Beirut to stay the way it is. And Absolutely, and they, I, they don't.
3: I, I don't know. They, they are not present, so I, I cannot speak on their behalf. But w- what I always say is that identity, first of all, it, it's it's a very complex subject that is the subject uh, of the of, of many studies and literature in Europe, in the US. You you cannot like uh, uh, you know uh, uh, re- uh, resume uh, identity by Just one factor, uh, your religion. Uh, So identity is your social belonging, identity is your sexual belonging, identity is your geographical belonging, urban versus rural. Mm -hmm. I have much more in common with a Sunni, uh, uh, let's say French speaking, because in case you haven't noticed, I'm a very Francophone uh, guy, Uh, (laughs) heterosexual, uh, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, from the same social class than an Armenian, who lives in in Akkar that is maybe gay or uh, in agriculture. So uh, we we have one comment. What kind of people are you meeting?
2: (laughs) These are very interesting people. The Armenian gay farmers in Akkar. I don't know if you can... Find this this guy, but put him on your show. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would put him. Sectarianism gone
3: wrong, absolutely. <laughs> no, so identity is a very complex subject, and mm. I believe in Lebanon we are really oversimplifying issue by bringing identity to only the religious belonging, which is a cultural factor that I admit, but it's one of many other cultural factors. So I cannot reduce an individual. Roni Shattach, Sunni. No, Roni Shattach is a podcaster. He's an urban guy. He, he has many other qualities and non-qualities. So you, you have also maybe uh, uh, an ugly uh, side of you. So I don't know. Thanks, thanks lot. I also have an ugly side. So <laughs> we are complex individuals. So yeah. we cannot be, behave like that. So I always say that identity is complex, but let's recognize uh, the diversity of our society but let's have a project mm-hmm. that would unite us around this project Th- this void in intelligentsia i think
2: is being exposed more now and it should be filled because that should not be a, that that shouldn't be a hard sell that's a very straightforward message we're trying to save the little experiment that's that's called greater lebanon from disappearing but I I pushed as far as I could on that. I I want to ask you about your own lens, your own eyes, and the post-elections political predicament. (laughs) I don't know what the word is right now. This ongoing paralysis, and we're nearly a year removed now from the elections. Um, We have many common friends that are now in parliament. We have two friends that are sleeping in parliament. We have, (laughs) you know, actually, I read into her two nights ago. In the parliament? uh, Just outside. Just outside. And these are people, when you know them, and you also know that you've been sleeping in parliament for some three months now, and she's still doing it. In a way, that is quite remarkable, that there's somebody that committed to one idea, but it doesn't bode well for Lebanon. And looking at what is going to be, I think, perhaps not before summer, that we have a hint of who'll be the next president. Things are in a terrible state of affairs. Do you personally feel disappointed in the political movement that was October 17 entering politics? Without casting blame, without making it, not honing in on the negative, more that on October 17 versus May 15 last year, and versus right now, do you feel disheartened to the point that some things are just beyond your control and Lebanon is not in a good place and it won't be anytime soon?
3: Honestly, not really. Um, Not really. I believe it's not a question of disappointed or not. It's a matter of where do you set expectations? I've never set expectations that were beyond the result that we are in today. Uh, Oh, quantitatively and qualitatively. And here I have tons of witnesses that can uh, corroborate what I'm saying, uh, because I always... Just to understand, sorry, you meant you expected it to be where we are right now. Yes, I expected quantitatively to have like 10 plus new MPs, uh, 10 to 15. Mm. Um, And I expected that without a solid political project and the political (laughs) party, Because, you know, politics is about discipline. And to uh, control MPs, you need a party. You need governance. You need decision-making. You need means. You need marketing. You need communication. You need resources. Mm -hmm. A bunch of individuals, even if they are very well, uh, good intentioned cannot change a country. You need a structure and uh, so i believe this election gave us a very solid indication that a breakthrough is possible that some young people mm-hmm. uh, that are unknown that doesn't have don't have tons of means and uh, financing and so on can make it to the parliament without yeah. being the son of the bek or the sheikh mm-hmm. or the zaim so this is something new in lebanon yeah. honestly and i build on it now, I didn't expect it to uh, achieve change. But
2: well, that's interesting yeah. from, from the
3: beginning. From the beginning. And uh, we were, or I was, and Kuluna Irada was quite clear on that. Without a solid program, without a solid governance, a solid coalition, etc. You, you cannot uh, be structured. You are facing Nabih Heberri. You are facing uh, Hezbollah. You are facing people uh, that have been there for 40 years, that master uh, have a mastery of, of the game so a bunch of new faces cannot uh, turn the tide uh, and they will of course fall into traps yeah. so I believe that what now we need to go into another phase now we need I believe that those MPs or everything that is related to change maybe and here I'll be very honest in order not to be like political politically correct maybe they must split into parties. Because they are not in agreement over everything. They are not in agreement over everything, except that they are change makers. So, but when you go beyond that, you see that change is not the same notion for uh, an MP and another. Mm-hmm. So if they are able to have a unified vision, and I doubt, they should form a solid party with a governance, with a decision making. This is how things work, Ronnie. Uh, you you do not have to be in agreement in 100 percent of the case to 100 percent of the position that's how a political party works then i'm
2: glad you opened this door because i shared the sentiment fully that there should be a center right center left reflection yeah, of october 17th fine let me let me posit a hypothesis yes we have a center right october 17 party just up the street here
3: yes kitlib
2: Just right here, National Bloc. We have what could be a center-left flavor party that's still registered, I think, with Malik Imruwe or one of the old guard of the, is it Tajaddud? Democratic Left. The Democratic Left, sorry. I think Nasib Lahoud. Yeah, that's still a registered party. Absolutely. So just hypothesis. There are two registered parties. They don't even have to register. They're there. Why doesn't that happen on its own?
3: No, listen, I believe it is in the process of happening and that's the natural evolution of things. Uh, um, I hope that it will happen. I hope it will happen, but I can tell you because I'm following from far, but I have some information that this is in the process of happening. And this is really a blessed move and this should happen because this is the only way. My, My dream is that this center-right and this center-left party uh, replaces the traditional parties with uh, some traditional parties that have rehabilitated themselves, uh, will still survive, you know, and yeah. they will form the new political uh, landscape. So, so it's not just
2: center-right or center-left no, for the 13. No, you have also it's...
3: right, you have left, you have, you have, okay, we should have four parties in Lebanon. The problem of Lebanon and the Lebanese, and this is not a myth, this is reality because I believe of some subjective and objective factors. For example, I'll give you one of the factors. The absence of collective transportation makes it very hard for homo libanicus, that we are, uh, we are the Lebanese characters, to work together, because we don't know how to act together. When you have collective transportation, you have processes. When you have trains in a country, you have people that work together. You know the the, the guy that drives, the, the 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 servicing, the guy that does the the. Those are complex schemes yeah. that only run and function because you have a large group of people that are able to coordinate. And this is what differentiate human beings from animals. Huh? That we are able to collaborate for more than five or or ten people. So. In Lebanon, the collaboration is around fifty to one hundred because we cannot collaborate well because we do not have those systems in place. It's mm. a jungle. We don't have anything collective, and everything that is a co- collective service in Lebanon is is a failure. So, uh, uh, and and public is a failure. But, but let me let me push further on this. We're sitting in a
2: roughly eight or nine month stretch of time yes. where very little. Parliamentary politics is happening, if yeah. any, Yeah. or when it happens, it's MPs are fighting like yesterday, verbal disagreement. Yeah. So there isn't really much happening. Wouldn't this be the eight months for these two
3: or whatever? Yeah, I believe part- it's happening. Uh, they, they are discussing but mm. as i told you we, we do not have this culture we have a, a overdimensioned ego mm. in lebanon mm. that prevents us from uh, uh, having the flexibility to create such structures in a smooth and rapid way so you think it would be faster
2: and easier
3: had there been the infrastructure to bring people together yep. the culture not the infrastructure the culture. and the culture comes from the infrastructure when you stand in a metro line sorry to come uh, over uh, to, to speak about public transportation but uh, i really love this domain when you wait in a metro line your ego gets crushed uh, and when you are uh, really stuck in a, in a metro in Paris or London or New York...
2: You have to smell the person you next have, to you. You uh, have
3: less uh, ego, you know, and yeah. it's not anymore about wealth. It's not anymore about your personal space. Mm. When you have a public garden and you share it with other human beings, uh, you learn to collaborate, to speak to others, to respect an environment, to respect a place. We lack this culture in Lebanon. Because we don't have the infrastructure, it's a culture that we lack. This is why in Lebanon it's more difficult for us to create structured movements. I'm trying to uh, be the anthropologue that I'm not, by anthropologist. Uh, but I believe this is a valid explanation for the lack of common structure. But it's an interesting, no, but we it's interesting. Since
2: I can talk about this, I guess since you are a fan of public transport, I'll tell you two memories I have. Uh, 1991, the Choo Choo train. It's not a train. It's a 1970s thing that was moving from Dora to Zbir. Yep. And it would get stuck in traffic. The the, the yellow train. (laughs) (laughs) The yellow green. You know what I'm talking about. It would go along the coast. Absolutely. It would sometimes wait for cars to do you remember was. when the train conductor would come out and tell the cars to do, get out <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> it really made me happy that's our public train yeah. infrastructure also on Bliss Street I think this is a few years ago they were finally rarely do they do this they remove old pavement yeah. the tendency here is just to keep adding Absolutely. pavement until buildings become yes. Yeah. yes uh, they found the tra- tramway. Yeah. Th- there's two lines on Bliss. Yes. They found them, they removed them, threw them away, and that's yeah. that. Yeah. I guess what you're talking about is more like a Lebanon that maybe existed briefly and, and 55 years ago.
3: Yeah, yeah, it existed somehow, but the dominant economic and uh, social culture in Lebanon was always against that. It was always very anchored towards private initiative and uh, uh, it was always trying to limit the state at its uh, minimum scope. So the Lebanese, we have this philosophy of a merchant state uh, where we cherish private initiative where we cherish uh, entrepreneurship, and this is a good way, of course, to develop Mm -hmm. the economy. But we are very much against regulation. I believe that a true capitalism and a true liberal model cannot develop without regulation, without the intervention of the
2: state. There's no nostalgia Mm -hmm. here then for what did work 60 years ago. It's not that Lebanon.
3: No, I, I I believe this Lebanon is still in our minds. Okay, yeah. Uh, we, we had maybe a glimpse of it at some point mm. uh, with the French-created institutions, because this is uh, very much a French mm. way of seeing things. Um, but this did not last long in, in Lebanon, and we should rehabilitate that, you know, the, rehabilitate regulation while not killing uh, uh, the, the private initiative and the uh, entrepreneurship. Uh.
2: I'm trying to imagine the development of political parties in Lebanon when we had some of what you're discussing.
3: It, it would be totally different.
2: They're the same parties. Yes. I mean, Kata'ib yes. is Kata'ib yes. whether there's a train or no train. Yes. Yeah,
3: so that kind of yeah, yeah, but the narrative of those parties would have shifted in a normal state. And this is not uh, hmm. as we always lived in an abnormal state. Hmm. I hmm. don't blame them, but toward public policies. And here I'll jump to, to something I always hear and I always say it in, in uh, interviews. Uh, politician and senior politician quite often say to me in private uh, circles or on TV, let's separate Politics from economy. When I hear that, I I, I, I feel like I, I want to kill them because th- this means that those people didn't understand anything. Mm. But economy is politics. This is called political economy. Do you kick them Everything, under the table on LBC? No, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I have a big rage inside <laughs> me that I contain very well. So, uh, uh, economy is about politics. Everything is political. This is politics. And you don't have, also we have another uh, thing that is quite funny in Lebanon, especially in recent time. Uh, We have a myth about technicians. So let's form a government oh, technocrats. Of, of, of technocrats, yeah, yeah. they call it. Mm. Technocrat is a, is a negative word, by the way. But uh, anyway, so let's bring a technician. Uh, a, a healthcare technician will be able to solve it. Let's bring, uh, I know a brilliant guy that worked for a power plant in Nebraska. Let's bring him, he will <laughs> solve. No, he won't. It's about choices, political choices. Everything is political. Uh, So you don't have a technical solution for anything. You have choices and the politician must weigh choices and you don't have a 100% correct choices. Mm -hmm. You always have positive and negative. And this is politics is to say, I'm going with this choice and I assume the negative externalities of of my choice. And this culture we don't have in Lebanon.
2: You know, it's interesting to hear this thread that you've, we've outlined where anthropological answers yes can explain why certain things don't happen faster.
3: Yes, I'm very and, fan of anthropology uh, lately so. Yeah. Yes. Well,
2: allow me to maybe we can circle back to anthropology towards the end. Yes. Cuz it's fun for me to go down that road as well. Can I have another drink? Of course. Do you want uh, another whiskey? Yes. <laughs> uh, let's get another whiskey for Albert.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: What kind of whiskey do you want? Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that one out <laughs> okay. James. uh, Jameson,
3: yeah Jameson
2: well, now that you're bringing the Jameson out I can ask you more sensitive questions <laughs> going back to okay, well, let me let me, let me better describe it um, May 2022, 13 change MPs enter. Some of them are f- familiar names, some are not. And like you said earlier, there are some that are brand new, that are not from the usual lineup. And there are some that tried in 2018 and tried again in 2022. And there are some that have been in media, that entered politics. A lot of it is familiar. But where we are right now, and what the 13 are doing about it, I've brought this question up to MPs and those that ran. I asked it to Najat directly. I asked it, actually, to Zia Debi who was sitting in this chair, who ran, and didn't win. And I've asked it to many MPs in and out that tried. Why not resign? And the reason I bring up resignation It's not to say that they failed at their job. It's not that. But resigning as a bold statement, hopefully in unison, coordinated, saying that they will not take part in this paralysis. And it's almost like an honorable exit, rather than burning the reputation of what was a positive word not that long ago, change. And it could be, for example, I'm not, I, I don't mean to make it about Najat on Sadiba, not her. But I don't want her to be burned by a problem that's way beyond her control. And it feels like this kind of person gets burned on the way. And I would see resignation as an honorable exit, not as one of failure, but that's never really talked about, ways to shake the system when you're stuck. Because she could sleep in Parliament until June she may actually stay in parliament later. I mean, that's not for me an MP that's trying to fix anything. That's more an MP that has no control over anything.
3: I I would not comment on Najat's choice. This Mm -hmm. is her choice. Uh, My reaction is that I'm not looking for an honorable exit for the 13 MP. I'm looking for an exit for the crisis, for discount. I I really, the the honorable exit for the MPs is the least of my problems Mm. Mm. today. Uh, um, So my comment is one. When you say 13, this suppose that it's a coherent 13. Mm. Uh, This is not the case. Uh, Mm. Those MPs are in disagreement over fundamental choices, like the name of the president, the name of the prime minister, and some serious uh, uh, political stances. Second, I believe no one should resign. When you have a popular mandate, you stick to it, and you try to do your best, uh, where people gave you a mandate. When you resign, Roni, this means that you might have another option. So you resign to do what? To stay uh, at home or to, 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 to nap? To delegitimize? No, you don't. You delegitimize yourself. You have a popular mandate. You stick to it. You continue. You you do your best, and you don't overpromise. You don't say, "I will change the country in four years." You do uh, a honorable battle and you stick to it. We have no choice but democracy. So when we start resigning and saying that after one year of a mandate that people gave us, I'm quitting because I have serious difficulties and I'm not being able to structure myself. This is for me a failure. And I'm, I'm, I'm neglecting the, the people trust that they put in me uh, and what is my other way, guerrilla or uh, what is, what is Geria, or to... What, what is the other alternative? I believe we must stick to democracy. We must produce results, not over promise structure. Uh, I believe that the boycott of the time of those two uh, rulers yeah. who idiotically came out with this decision is a good win. Uh, We can do something better. We can uh, uh, build on that. Boycott. So so boycott. Boycott civil disobedience. But we need to have parliamentarians representing us in the system. Then let's let's flip it then. Forget resignation.
2: You boycott the institution you represent as a sign that you don't stand
3: for what's happening. No, I, I go to the institution... I argue with Nabih Birre, who is really a warlord. This guy is a militiaman, and he runs the, the parliament as his private backyard. I argue with him. I use mm. all the legal, uh, mm. all the constitutional uh, arms that I have. I try to uh, uh, question the government, mm. to, to, do, to help them uh, accountable. That, that's the way you can do. A parliamentarian has huge powers, uh, Roni. He can summon any minister. You can ask for accounts. Mm. This is a huge
2: tool. So let me ask it better. I think it's my fault for not asking it the right way. That's what they've been trying to do the last eight months. Okay. For the, uh, very, um, depending who it is and what the subject is, you have variations of that too. But we are exactly where we are with or without that escalation. I guess my, my question would have been better asked... What could they do beyond what you're describing? Which I think is what they're try- trying to do. And
3: in... No, today the problem is that they are not 13. Today they are 1, plus 2, plus 1, plus 2, plus 1, or plus 3, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, they get along one day, They they don't get along the other day. If you had a block of 13 that is aligned... Uh, behind uh, a prime minister uh, when we had to nominate a prime minister that had a credible uh, presidential candidate uh, that uh, they would be able to socialize. uh, uh, um, I believe that would have made a difference, maybe Mm. not in the immediate outcome, Mm. but in the political momentum in the country that would have rallied behind them, but today this is not the case. And I'm not criticizing them because they are, they have many uh, constraints and they are not structured and they are not in agreement, as I told you, over many things because they were carried by this change wave, so it's not their fault. But for the future, i it's, it's very worrying to believe, that the parliamentarian and democratic way, because what you are saying uh, uh, could be summed by democracy doesn't lead to anything. Let's try something else. But today, facing Hezbollah, I don't have anything else. So my only tool is to continue a democratic battle and to speak to all Lebanese, including and maybe to prioritize the Shia community and to speak with them to try to have a democratic change. I don't see any other way. Could I, with your
2: permission, ask you one example you could give that would make what you're describing happen with 13 that are now organized the way you want them, whether it's one block or two? I
3: believe that in June, we had the opportunity to nominate a prime minister. So we're in a web Slam. I I don't want to go into names, mm -hmm. but... If they could have nominated you, but if the 13 stood up in one voice, Mm. said, this is the candidate, this is the program, we are backing him, the people are backing Mm. him. But you know, in politics, you have a momentum. Mm. Not after three weeks, and while all the divergences were known, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. uh, And you had some, uh, also some of them made very... uh, uh, very amateurish, let's say, uh, uh, confidence to some newspapers. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I I believe that we could have imposed an agenda because I know for a fact that some of the other parties were looking for a candidate Mm -hmm. and they wanted an initiative-led by the reform because we had the wave we had a significant yeah. win yeah. and they waited for it and then they said those people are not coherent they are not structured so okay politics will continue as usual for the vice president of the parliament it's the same yeah. uh, for a presidential candidate it's the same uh, I love Isam Khalife as, as a man, as a sinker, mm. as an academician. But he is not a presidential candidate. I'm sorry. If we want to do folklore, let's do a folkloric party in in a village. And put hats and uh, fair air. But uh, uh, we cannot do fol- folklore in the parliament. Let, let me, we must be serious. We must. This is a serious... There is the destiny of the country.
2: Let me limit it to those three examples because they're the right ones. 13... That could have embraced Noéf Slam and given him a better chance, but Noéf Slam still would not have been prime minister. Which you, I, I don't. You? Know.
3: I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, a magician. And maybe, if a uh, fortune teller, if he uh, would have failed to become prime minister, but I'm not sure of that. You would have had a coherent right. block demand against. Uh, someone who is opposing, and this someone who is opposing, which is the usual suspects, would have assumed the full liability right. of having mm. an Ajib Mi'ati or any other candidate. This yeah. did not happen, Roni. I agree. And this so, is important, even on economic issue. Mm. Uh, uh, the the creating a front to ask for the IMF, to ask for the reforms is something very uh, important. Some of those MPs uh, released uh, uh, like communiques. <laughs> that were totally against uh, IMF demands, uh, namely related to deposits. So once again, I do not blame them. uh, uh, And I do not accept that people blame them because it's the beginning of a start. I'm trying to remain positive, but also to be realistic and to criticize where we must criticize to build on the failure and to improve. The 13
2: nominate either Nawaf Slim or somebody like him. Yes. That... May get in but may not. Yes. Uh, the 13 stand in unison and do not let Elias Busab or anyone like him, yes survive. yes as a vice president. Yes uh, And the 13, this is where I'm coming to, get over themselves. <laughs> don't know if the audience would agree with this and say that Babda requires numbers. And they go with the most likely of candidates. The but, wait, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, 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 yes. So some, I know not everyone will agree with this. I don't necessarily agree with it, but they, Michelle Maward, because they will then symbolically say they can do politics too with the opposition.
3: That didn't happen either. Okay, this, I really don't want to go into that because maybe some of them uh, have serious reservation about Michelle Mawad. Some of them don't have. This is their choice, not mine. What, what is important for me is a coherent and justified stance. So to say I don't want Michelle Mawad because of A, B, and C, uh, but instead of Michelle Mawad, I'm proposing a viable candidate, not folklore, that could rally the opposition. So I don't want to be behind the Kateib and the LF and Michel Mawad. I'm proposing an alternative that could rally the Kateib, the LF and Michel Mawad. And Michelle Mawad has behaved in a very gentlemanish uh, fashion in his uh, presidential, uh, yeah. let's say, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. he always said if there is someone more likely to be mm-hmm. elected mm-hmm. than me I'll step down uh, so they should build on that and, so, so and it's thir- 13
2: that should offer somebody like Michelle to should, the opposition
3: you should take the initiative so this lead. is
2: okay, so this is where I'm kind of trying to get to which is do you think that there's a a case to be made that an alliance with the opposition as a prerequisite to getting anything done today, whether they're 13 in unison or 13 individuals that are trying to
3: find their way? Yes or no, yes or no, because I believe something to be done today is a bit uh, elastic and vague Uh as a stance, because uh, you can achieve results without achieving results. So what I mean by that is that you can gain political currency and you can mobilize people, not necessarily by imposing a law or a a decision to the others. So I would say, yes, uh, you, you, you must either behave realistically and cooperate or take the leadership and try to force the other to come to your camp and to get things done, even though you might not succeed, but we say in Arabic, so you take a stance, but that is realistic, not folkloric. So if
2: I could sum up your disappointment, it's that organization did not happen the way that is conducive to politics. Yes. That's one thing. The other thing is that they needed to take their role more seriously and offer names that were more viable rather than going to less viable, but perhaps
3: friendlier names like Isam Khalife. Yeah, but it's not only my criticism. Michel Dwayne uh, also shared this criticism mm. of Dow and so on. So yes. Michel
2: he voted for Salah Yes. Who's as unviable in terms I, of numbers. I,
3: I will not uh, get into names because uh, I'm not in a position to vote for them. So mm. uh, I believe a good candidate is an ethical candidate a uh, candidate that has the capa- capacity to run the state, uh, a candidate that is clearly sidelined with sovereignty and uh, who is Mumania to Hezbollah without being aggressive, because you cannot get an aggressive candidate elected today, but someone who you trust to rehabilitate the state and to install a positive dynamics in the country. So I believe that Salah Hineen fits Uh, the profile, but you have also many others.
2: I'll take it to the port blast and the stalled investigation and the frustration we all know. Bitar, for the better part of the last maybe year, year and a half, went to his office one day and we saw what happened. And even among the 13, there seems to be hesitation, even until now, at fully embracing the fact that this cannot happen here. Tarabitar alone cannot hold these criminals to account. And they're still reluctant to openly call for an international investigation. Mind you, this is nearly three years now since the blast happened. I want to pick your brain on this. And when you gave me the green light to be a bit hard tonight, this is where I want it to be hard. I sense from the wider story, civil society's uh, full embrace of politics, that nothing was learned from the special tribunal. in fact, that chapter is deliberately ignored. Almost like it's too toxic to talk about and it's too personal. And therefore we have no lessons learned on how to get international action to work. And I'll, I'll say it also in a, in a different way. This kind of international action requires much more diplomatic engagement, requires lobbying at the Security Council to get something as watered down as the special tribunal for Lebanon. The port blast we're looking at, you tell me if I'm wrong, a statement two weeks ago at the Human Rights Council for countries to ask Lebanon to do its job better and now betting that in June maybe, maybe in June we can get a bolder statement that'll be really close to three years after the blast so all of this is to ask you do you think we missed our chance that this investigation is simply not going to happen yes you can say that
3: comfortably yes, with a lot of sorrow yeah because even the Human Rights Council in Geneva, uh, I don't believe, and Kuluna Irada was one of the actors that uh, lobbied a lot to mm-hmm. take it to the human, uh, um, to this institution in Geneva. Uh, I believe this institution will, will, will reach uh, at that end. It's not yeah. within its scope to conduct an international investigation. I believe there was an international also uh, weird uh, uh, so c- c- non-commitment or, or willingness to keep it local because everyone was embarrassed mm-hmm. for I don't know what reason. And locally we missed a great chance of, because I understand when people tell me we will never have justice in this country unless we rehabilitate the local justice, the Lebanese justice. Mm. I understand, I respect, and I am also of this opinion. But in this case, I don't want to use this case to rehabilitate justice. I want justice for this case. It's too big, uh, like we say about some big banks. It's too big to fail, you know. Uh, Mm. August 4th is a huge thing, and I believe that we missed a big opportunity. We should have mobilized very aggressively to call for an international probe and international tribunal. But this requires a demand from uh,
2: the the government. Exactly. So this is where my question is. Is that the example that was
3: too quickly thrown away? Yes, it was too quickly, quickly thrown away because we had international pressure. I remember that Macron came uh, to Lebanon. We had a whole folklore about all that. We were too, um, uh, let's say, soft uh, to, mm. to mobilize and to ask for precise things. For me, we should, the, the international investigation is the only way to uh, uh, know something documented, substantiated, mm. and by the way, I followed very closely the international or the special tribunal. Uh, for Lebanon, I read everything that came out of it. Mm. I believe this is a big case in Lebanon of disinformation because I believe Hezbollah have done a great, great job of decredibilizing this institution Absolutely. and of uh, preempting preempting the final verdict by really a very staged and planned, mm. planned communication uh, uh, campaign against the STL, yeah. and when the ver- verdict came that was very, very substantiated, and uh, so based on hard evidence, no one uh, cared about that. Right. Uh, so yes, I can say very clearly, because it's substantiated. You, you know, I was very criticized, very criticized when Lokman Slim was killed, I did uh, uh, a show uh, I believe, um, I believe the um, the same day or, or the day after. You had I, a Hezbollah I had someone very close to Hezbollah. Yeah, I remember. And that. I refused, and I refuse until now to accuse Hezbollah, uh, even though maybe my convictions are different. But I'm not a court of justice, and I believe when you substitute yourself to a court of justice, this is the popular justice, and this is very scary for me, so I refuse. But for the killing of al Hariri, I can say that Hezbollah killed al Hariri because this is substantiated. And I believe that this verdict didn't didn't resonate the way it should have. We have today a political group that killed a prime minister in Lebanon, and this is like that. And this political group is in the parliament today and is in the government and behaves in a very arrogant manner And there is no one to say to them that you are killers because you killed a prime minister. And this is proven by a court. It's not a, a personal judgment. With the very straightforward
2: tone you just delivered to a podcaster and an audience, you can hear the silence. Have you been able to sell that message as somebody who represents, what my opinion, a very credible group that represents reform, and change, positive change, have you been able to sell that message, whether it's to diplomats that don't know better, or to MPs that are missing the point entirely? Because what you just said is exactly the way I feel, but I've never heard it outlined in such a straightforward way. I think many more people could hear what you just said, and why we're not having an investigation into the port blast. You just summed it up is this something that is is it one of communication that we didn't explain it
3: no uh, yes sir, but kulluna uh, irada is a group that uh, totally um, is in line with mm-hmm. what i said so but today unfortunately roni this is not the subject uh, today and we are not a political party. So, Coluna Irada is not here to revive subjects or or to. No, no, I'm talking about uh, the port blast, the, the lack of investigation know, the, into the, the, the port, port blast. blast. Yeah. we were very very uh, adamant to have an international investigation. We were very pushy uh, towards this uh, this sense, mm. but discreetly, of course, with yeah. the with the victims and their their with the parent of the victims. Uh, Yes, some of them are convinced. some of not uh, so, some are not. So we are still pushing in that sense. The mm. Geneva thing is a first uh, milestone. Hopefully there will be others. so I refuse to abandon this uh, cause because this is a very important cause. But I must be honest, I I will not bullshit you today and tell you, yes, we are uh, winning and this is tomorrow. No, I don't feel a big uh, momentum uh, behind that. But you have a lot of people who think the way I I think. So yes, hopefully someday we will get it done. So I will ask you one
2: more question, then we'll have a small break and there will be a QA, and a And maybe in the Q&A, the questions can be more economics focused since we didn't really get into economics that much. Which
3: is my domain. Which is exactly... uh... I
2: should have actually defined you better at the beginning. You are an economist. Yes. Yeah, so I should have... But you're more than that, I think. Uh, Going back to anthropology and what you do on LBC, this is my understanding of your role as a media figure. You've improved the discourse. You've made it easier for an audience that cares about this country to understand its problems better. And now it's what? For the better part of two years that the show has been on? Yeah, more than that. More than two years. In in at least two and a half years, if my memory is right.
3: March 2019. Oh, three years today. Hey. (laughs) Yes. We both forgot
2: it's March. Four years. (laughs) Four, Four years? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. That's a paralyzed country. Two years is four years and eight years is... Absolutely. In the last last 50 years that you've been on (laughs) LBC, in these four years, and I think it really... October 17 is really what makes this show special is that you were able to offer a platform to all the voices that were not given their chance. I was, I had them on my podcast and then they were calling me trying to get ready for your show. And now some of them are superstars. They're experts in what they do. Many have left the country too. True. But you took what I think, and this is my understanding. You took what is a podcast and made it a television show. And the reason I'm saying podcast is because it's a patient show. Very few interruptions, which is quite nice. The advertising comes in right at the right time. (laughs) Right before everyone's about to kill each other, we go to Nescafe. Let's take a break. Let's take a break, yeah. And it's long, which I like. I don't care how long it goes. Sometimes 11 at night, I'm still watching. And I could actually, it could be more than once a week. Yes. (laughs) From the most delicate subject, like Lukman Slim's assassination, To sectarianism last week, I think. Was it last week or maybe two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. To all the banking stories, all the economics that now we can talk about with some pride, thanks to watching shows like yours. Do you think that you've left your mark on improving media in Lebanon?
3: I think you have. But this is for you to say. I, I will. Um, so it's for the public to say, really, because I don't know if I left my mark. What, what I know is that what I've done in the media scene is exactly something that resembles me uh, and that resembles what I wanted to to, to do. So uh, when I, I started at first, uh, I had the training because I'm, I'm very bad at uh, not only at English but at Arabic also. So uh, So, so <laughs> I, 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 I'm better than you are in Arabic but, uh, so, but uh, I'm not really a very good Arabic speaker at, at origin, so I had the training and they tried to tell me you must behave like uh, like this... Uh, Famous. um, It starts with an M, right? Yeah, maybe. His station begins with an M too. (laughs) Yes. So you must do that. You must be aggressive. You must cuss people, etc. So... I told them this is not me so uh, I'm a chill guy I like to listen to go uh, so uh, and then I understood that the training was mm. meant to uh, shape me a bit more uh, because I could last for hours and uh, uh, I cannot interrupt a person uh, for, for 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 an hour so they were trying to shorten they, they were trying to shorten it to the yeah. great benefit of the viewers mm. but um, but so the LBC let me do, do what I wanted mm-hmm. to do, and I thank them for that, uh, which is an in-depth show uh, without uh, sensations, you know, and fights, because this is very easy to make two people fight. Uh, this is the one-on-one of, of media, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I did what I believed in, and uh, what I know also is that it worked. Because uh, at the beginning, this was very weird on the Lebanese TV, so the comments I had, this looks like French TV, Uh, this is so weird, it's so academic, we feel we are in a university lecture, etc. So at first, it was very confidential as, as an audience. Then I always say that, of course, SAURA came and uh, economic meltdown and people wanted to understand. They wanted a reliable source of information with uh, like an ethical platform not sponsored by by banks, uh, which is rare Mm. nowadays. Um, Mm. And uh, and, uh, this is how the show developed. Now, is it uh, today, did I mark uh, the landscape or not? I don't know. Uh, maybe in 30 years, if people will remember this show, um, it would have been the sign that I marked it. If not, maybe not. I think the way I watch that show
2: is that there's an independent voice on a mainstream television outlet. Yeah, it is a mainstream outlet. It's LBC. Definitely. It's Definitely. not some fringe station. Definitely. Trying to offer ways out
3: yes which makes it different than the usual type of talk show yes and what we noticed with lbc it's quite funny huh that uh, in fact quality sells mm. and uh, i always say that to myself that mm. lebanese are not at all a stupid public and they deserve better you know so uh, b- because there is a paradigm and, and so. The, the more nasty it is, the more vulgar, the more it sells. But I believe Lebanese are quite educated. Lebanese uh, read uh, the press, they are quite informed, etc. So there is a demand for quality in Lebanon. And this is something very satisfactory. Uh, uh, it's my show or another show. It's mm. not the problem. So quality uh, must be always the mission. I believe that television has an educational And the cultural role, uh, because uh, going low in the in the scale of value and it is very easy, Ron, you you can put a porn movie and everyone will watch it. Maybe not now because you have alternative platform. But, you know, (laughs) this is very easy. That should be a
2: poll. Would you rather watch a porn movie or 2030? (laughs) I'll win
3: i You or, think you'd win? <laughs> or, or a porn movie with 20. 20 30, well, I don't, so. I don't know. <laughs> so. Select your guests accordingly. <laughs> yes. I, so I, yeah. there is a demand for quality, and maybe it has marked uh, the landscape somehow. I don't know. There was a
2: moment where, and this could be the better part of a year, where the emphasis was on guests that were not seen on TV. True. A lot of them are experts that live on Twitter. Or they have some background that's more academic. True. And it's funny
3: because you could tell that they'd never been on television. True. They were nervous. Nervous. I had some gems, you know, older and younger people Mm. that were so comfortable on TVs. It it was their first time. True experts. Uh, So, uh, yes, you had that. I believe that we um, made in the show... Many talents uh, appear, and I'm very happy when I see them on television Mm -hmm. because they are always, uh, they they have now, uh, they are stars, as you said. So this is a big success for me to have to launch those new talents and to show the Lebanese public that your average uh, Joe politician is a stupid guy. Mm -hmm. You have very uh, talented men and women. That can run the country and that are true experts with real choices, not technocrats. They have choices. You selected
2: very, very impressive civil society citizens. Yeah. And you were also comfortable challenging politicians. Yeah. You've had economics, finance, almost accountant-like voices. Yeah. And you've had Samir Shahjah. Yeah. So that I think is a wide spe- it's the widest kind of spectrum a TV show can handle. Yep. And you handled it and you treat all your guests the same way which I like. Yep. You're challenging them and you're giving them the space to explore difficult stuff and I think LBC is better off with you. Thank so, you
1: Ronnie.
2: Thank you Albert. Thank Thanks you. to the audience. We'll take a 5-minute break and then there'll be Q&A. Thank you. Thank you. Just uh, to see if there's any questions from the start, the gentleman in the front will get you the microphone. You know, you discussed a lot about Taif, but I mean, we commoners don't know anything about Taif, and I don't know that if it was ever published or anything like that. My question is that, just just to for my knowledge, was the uh, schema that you would have a senate which would be sectarian representing equally the various uh, sects and you'd have a, uh, a parliament which is uh, elected on a non-sectarian basis was that in Ta'if? Because yes. this is what the impression I got from your insinuations,
3: you know, this is just to, to clear up things Yes, in fact it, it's not only in Ta'if because a common mistake is to uh, confuse Ta'if with the Constitution. So Ta'if is a document uh, that has some constitutional value, but it's not exactly the Constitution. So Ta'if agreement was translated in the Constitution. For example, I'll give you an example of uh, an article that was in Ta'if, but that is not in the Constitution. It's decentralization. Ta'if has a, a small chapter badly written about decentralization that was not translated in the Constitution. But the articles uh, uh, around uh, the Senate and uh, uh, the the non-sectarian nature of the National Assembly, so the the Parliament, are in the Constitution uh, today, namely in Article uh, 95, which provides for the evolution of uh, the current uh, state of affairs Uh, toward uh, a future or a target uh, destination. So yes, this is today in the constitution, but it's quite broad and ill-defined. Are there other questions?
2: I saw hands earlier. Yes, the lady in the middle. Yes, that's, yes, we'll get you the microphone. And there's still the
3: whiskey for Albert. Yes, it's done yet. No. Um, the Jameson. <laughs> you will see that the quality of my answers will deteriorate. Too, so.
2: <laughs> Save the question for later. Yeah, right.
4: <laughs> um, thank you very much. I loved every minute of, uh, of this. My question yes. is uh, related to something we talked about at the beginning concerning what happened uh, uh, the past week. Uh, and the fact of having uh, a sectarian uh, response or attitude. And we mentioned that that sectarian response from the Christian perspective was based on a fear that decisions are being made in the country without uh, taking them into consideration. So um, for me to move forward, we always need to address fears. So in your perspective, What is the best way to address fear, this fear? What is needed today to reassure Christians in this country that, I mean...
3: This is, uh, by the way, it's um, really an excellent question. So, yes, I fully agree that we must address fears and not neglect fear. Where I disagree is that the fear is not only related to the Christian community, Every, I believe, uh, um, a sound Lebanese uh, has fears today. Uh, uh, so we, we must address that. Where we, we begin with? Uh, I believe that we must uh, turn this chaos into a creat- creative chaos and the willingness to create a state. We all feel today that we live in a jungle and the jungle boosts fears because jungle equals self-protection, equals uh, uh, turning to the immediate environment to protect uh, the individual, the family, and the close uh, relative. So we must definitely rehabilitate the notion of state. For me, uh, the question of Hezbollah is essential. I believe many of the fears that are uh, in the country are directly linked to the question of Hezbollah, who is hijacking, a major part of the political decision in the country. So without addressing that, and Hezbollah is by essence sectarian, so of course other sects will feel undermined by the superiority of one political party that claims to represent a sect. So we must address the Hezbollah issue, uh, primary, second, to reassess the willingness of building a state together, Third, to lay the foundation of which governance system, how this state will be modern, but at the same time will acknowledge the uh, diversity and the different culture. Because a modern state doesn't mean uh, abolishing completely uh, uh, sectarianism and the recognition of sects. This is a very uh, French-based view that does not apply uh, in Lebanon. So yes, I believe it's a very long road, it's a difficult road, but this is do- doable and this is our duty. and when I talk about a vision, a political problem program, this is exactly what I mean.
2: A gentleman standing.
1: Yeah hi, just listening to your analysis and uh, what you just said.
2: Is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Is Lebanon gonna stay? Is it something's gonna happen? What do you think? Is it gonna happen during our lifetime,
3: or you know, should we leave? What do you say? But the tricky question to <laughs> to answer. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> No in in fact uh, okay the, the, the answer or the easy answer is that yes there is always hope. The other easy answer is that I believe that the political class that is governing us is gonna disappear by the laws of nature because they cannot defy the laws of nature they can do it for five years 10 or, or 15. And there is always light at the end of the tunnel. Just the Lebanese history has taught us that, for example, in, during the World War, War I in Lebanon, uh, uh, like a third to half of the population died out of uh, poverty and hunger and a lot emigrated. Lebanon strived and, and had a golden age after that. So I believe, yes, there is a land uh, uh, at the end of the tunnel. I believe that us good people are the majority uh, in this country. We just need to organize, to structure ourselves and uh, to say out loud that we are the majority and to claim the power. And this is very important. We should claim the power in this country and we will eventually get it. Uh, n- not all of them the, the the not all of them have heirs uh, and uh, the heirs are different than the the, the father so it signals uh, a change So no I, b- I believe change is inevitable it's inevitable and and people have voiced their refusal of this system but I believe, very honestly, and this is something maybe counterintuitive, but it comes maybe from my economic background. Offer creates the demand. It's not demand that creates the offer. In economy, there is a golden rule: offer creates the demand. So it's up to us to come out with a credible offer to the people. So they will stick to it and coalesce around it. And until now, I've seen premises. I've seen very good intention. I've seen very good discourses. But at the individual level, I still didn't see a very coherent political offer uh, that has a national base that is structured enough, that is deep enough, that is charismatic enough to be able to do a real change. And this is a challenge, maybe not for you, not for me, for the younger uh, generations, uh, to create parties, to create offers, to join existing parties. Uh, This country is too beautiful to die. It's too unique. So I I strongly believe in that. Are there any questions that are economics focused?
2: I didn't, who said yeah? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) What, sir, was yours economics as well? Yeah, let's start with you actually, and then we can go across. Uh, I'm gonna ask the question in Arabic to better formulate it Thank if you. possible. Uh, وأت مصر في لبنان غير official rate بأول فبراير وزيت هيدا ال small line uh, loan to public sector ستاشر مليارية اللي ما أخذ التخفي أبدا بالإعلام. بس حابب أعرف رأيك بالموضوع ليش بس غيرها على الخمستاعشر ألف
3: وشو خلفيته مزبوط ما حدا قدر فسره بطريقة علمية مصرف في لبنان هو كنيه عن أرتيت دكانجية وهو عم ب... عم 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 بهين عم بهين الدكان لانه كان اي ريبلاي ان اكيد تفضل yes. yeah. لا لا يكون في ال- 101 تبع الانون بالعالم لا يكون في دين لازم يكون في اعتراف بالدين يعني انا ما بقدر اجي هلا هيك من تلقاء نفسي سجل دين عليك واقول له هذا مدين إلي بايميل لازم يكون في كونطرا ولازم يكون في مضي من الجهتين المدين واللي دائن فهيدي مثل كتير قصص عم بتصير بلبنان It's really unprecedented هلا ليه عملوا هالشيء؟ لأنه عملوا هالشيء It's an accounting gimmick لا يقدروا يخفوا بعض الخسائر ويثبتوا لأنه هن الخسائر هي شوية عملية معقدة هي عمليات صاروا بين سواب الليرة للدولار وقت علو سعر الصرف زيدوا الخسائر لأنه تكون بـ 1500 الخسارة وقت سير عشر 15000 الخسارة شيء تاني لما مصرف لبنان على الميزانية تبعه يكبر خسارته لقى طريقة بهلوينية يقدر يلزقها بالدولة وهيدي جاية كمان هيدي فيها خلفية خبيثه جدا لأنه في أصوات كتير كبيرة بالبلد عم بتقول أنه لازم الدولة وهي دا شغل كتير عم يها أو كتير لازم ننتبه عليها وقت اليوم في أصوات تقول إنه الوديع مقدس. الوديع مقدس شو بيجي دغري من بعده؟ بيجي من بعدها إنه مين لازم يدفع للموديعين الدولة؟ أوكي؟ والدولة is the mean guy صو جسمه لبيس هيتل عن دفع الدولة. وهذا ناريتيف كتير سهل وبيجذو بالعالم لأنه شعبوي إنه أنا إذا عندي مصريات بالبنك بقال لك تم هي الدولة اللي خربت لبيتي خلي الدولة تدفع لي بس بالحقيقة هي موضوع مختلف جدا لأن الدولة مين هي الدولة؟ دولة هي نحن ما في مور أنتتي يعني الدولة مش أنه عندها كنز علي بابا في عارف فيه ويلاقوا وي ويبحشوا بالأرض ويقدروا يدفعوا للمودعين دولة إذا بدأت ترجع تدفع للمودعين وهو خيار سياسة اقتصادية بدأ تعلي ضرائب على الناس المتلأك والمتلأ وحتى بيحكوك بشركات الدولة اللي هو وهم تاني مشاركات الدولة مثل التليكوم أوكي هاي التليكوم سيلولار هي أكثر شركة دولة مبدئيا ربحها إذا بدنا نستعمل هالشركات لندفع للموديعين شو يعني؟ يعني من هلأ لثلاثين عربعين سنة لازم هالسليولير نغنيه عشر أضعاف أو عشرين ضعف لناخد مصاري منك ومني ونكبل الاقتصاد لإدفع للموديعين الكبار بقى مصر في لبنان عامل هالشي ليجري حط دين على الدولة ويقول أنا خسائركم كموديعين هي عند الدولة لذلك لازم الدولة ترجع تدفع بتعليت الضرايب با باستخدام وصوله وإلى آخره وهو منطقة نحنا بنرفضه كلياً إن كان بكلنا إرادة أو أنا معامل حمله عليه لهال لهالمنطقة هذا لأنه هو خطير جداً وبيكبلنا نحنا والأجيال القادمة بأعباء ما إدرين نتحملها لأن حجم الخسائر كتير كبيرة بالنسبة للاقتصاد المحلي. Maybe we can have... Time for a few more questions. Yeah.
5: Hello. Thank you for everything that you're doing, for your thoughts, for your actions. Uh, I have two questions. One is political and the other is economic. Uh, you just said that we are the majority. Based on what? Because I I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, my economic question is, can we as individuals... Um, like decrease the impact of what's happening like i'm a I'm a citizen um i'm i now i am a low middle class, and I have my own v- visions and philosophy and in the in the way how I deal with my money and with my work and everything. Like people around me keep saying that it's naive, like you can do, you cannot really do change. But uh, I want to hear it from an expert, if you don't mind.
3: I didn't quite get the second question. I got the first one. Uh, Okay.
5: So we have a crisis. Like money is stagnant. It's not uh, going around. Yes. So I have my, my views in how I... Deal with money. Yes. Where I spend and how I charge people. Like, I have many fees, you know, I have uh, for the more fortunate and the less fortunate because everyone has the right to take my service. Yes. Okay? So, I take more from the ones who are like paid in dollars and I make really good discounts for the ones who can't.
3: This is a good behavior. By the way.
5: So, yeah, yeah like, I, I, I don't know, I'm not an expert in comics, nothing, like zero, but I see that this, if we all do this in certain ways, not just this, it's an example, but I want to hear from you if... Us as individuals, not as big companies, not as Daole, um, not as, uh, you know, yes. as how, individuals, how can, we... can we do really an impact like uh, yes, uh, I, I, I adopting it. a few behaviors?
3: Yes. So thank you for, for the question. I, I said we, we are a majority based on some recent and historical uh, um, examples. Uh, okay, conceptually and theoretically, I believe. That all Lebanese want uh, to, uh, 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 let's say, move from the current status of affair to a pacified, to peace between each other and to building a modern state. But there is a switching cost. I always call that switching cost. You know, to, to change from a bank to another, you, you incur cost and complexities. So to abandon your traditional leader and to move towards something new. You really need to be convinced, and we saw windows in the recent Lebanese history, like 14 of March. But by the way, I'm the son of uh, of the Mukawame Talabiye al alfein So in the in the in the 2000, I'm a bit maybe a dinosaur uh, compared to the crowd of Sabatash Tashrine. But uh, I remember that when the Syrians were occupi- occupying the, the country back in the 2000. There were like 100 people who dared to demonstrate. And then it turned out that the majority and across all sects wanted them to be out, but they were waiting for a lesser switching cost. Uh, And this was proven in 14th of March. In uh, Saurit Tashrin, this came after one year of the election, the legislative election, where people massively voted for traditional political parties. So if you look at that, you would say that people are happy with the political offer. Then we saw in Tishreen that when a window opened and people felt that they can switch, it was a massive adoption. So I still believe that the, the vast majority of Lebanese is not happy with the current political offering, but that the vast majority of Lebanese have sectarian fears, and that they don't want to move to a total and unknown and this completely secular state, and they need a well-grounded political offering that addresses their fear, but take them to a modern state. And this is what's missing uh, today. That's why I believe we are potentially a majority, uh, maybe uh, not now. Then Mm -hmm. on the individual behaviors, your behavior is an example of a good citizen behavior. So I believe there is a lot we can do. Now we are working about uh, a bit on Lebanese job creations. Uh, uh, you can employ Lebanese, you can have Lebanese procurement. Uh, you can have a social safety net that is private, etc. And uh, uh, like you are doing maybe different tariffs. But I want to be very honest with you. This will not solve the situation. So we must never say to ourselves that those individual behavior can salvage uh, the situation and resolve the crisis. Only a political reform can solve the crisis. The banking sector will not kick off again If there is no Banking Resolution Act, those are laws prepared by the government. Uh, We need a bank secrecy, a proper one. We need a capital control, a proper one. We need a unification of of, uh, Forex, of change, a proper one. So your individual behaviors can limit the damages, but cannot solve the situation, unfortunately. Uh, The gentleman
2: wearing uh, pink, my cousin Fadi, Oh, that's Faddy, my cousin Fatty. Cousin Fadi. Uh, cousin okay. Fatty, please. I might claim
3: preference. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for th- this amazing podcast. My question is a bit economical. We, we are hearing more and more voices, and uh, specifically regarding the IMF. So we're hearing um, more and more voices saying that we don't need the IMF, that the money that eventually would come from the IMF which is 3.8 billion over five years, is nothing compared to what uh, Lebanon needs. And uh, we can hear a lot of voices, a lot of experts going on TV saying that uh, we can get out of uh, this mess uh, without the IMF. So I would like to know the, uh, the opinion of uh, Albert regarding this. Thank you. So Jean is an economist, so he knows the answer. I met
2: met this man on the beach once, uh, dancing in Batroun at the beach. He's a good dancer as well. He was dancing right next to me, like, who are you? He said, I love your podcast. And (laughs) he just, (laughs) that's literally what happened. And now I recognize you. (laughs) So... So, you have those tattoos all over your yeah, yeah, yeah. a few yeah yeah yeah
3: and many more so he's a dancing more. economist is can, uh, <laughs> so, which is not bad as a, no <laughs> so so the the ends you just ruined his reputation because economists are not supposed to dance they are supposed but to But he's be a empathetic. very good dancer <laughs> I'm a good economist as well, <laughs> so uh, uh, n- no, the, the the answer obviously is yes, we need the IMF, yes, we need the IMF, yes, we need the IMF, yes, we need the IMF. I can say yes, we need the IMF until the end of the night, because mm. not because of the 3.8 billion, and this is very funny how Lebanese, uh, and this is also a very cultural thing, Lebanese split on the 3.8 billion because Lebanese still consider that we are rich, you know, and we are not a rich country anymore. 3.8 billion, this is first, is a lot for a miserable country like Lebanon is 20% of the GDP, so this is not Mm -hmm. uh, a small amount. Second, the IMF is a passport. So if you don't have a passport, you cannot get said, you cannot get bilateral assistance, you cannot get indebted on the the international Mm markets. And third, IMF is a set of reforms. So IMF is uh, reforms that begin with bank secrecy, capital control, unification of change, a sound and healthy budget, and that will end with border controls, uh, killing the mafia in the port and the airport, uh, reforming uh, public uh, uh, administration and so on. So I'm definitely pro-IMF, but like I said to the IMF, Uh, One year ago, we will never have an IMF program with this ruling class because an IMF program is exactly the opposite of everything that the government and the ruling elite believes in. The buzzword, you know, all those buzzwords, accountability, transparency, sustainability, KPIs, metrics, they hate that. So how could we have that with with a prime minister that changed the hour, 48 hours, Before the deadline, with a chat with a 86-year-old uh, other guy who is uh, ruling over the parliament for 40 years, so we will not get an IMF, but it's necessary. Can we let? Yeah. بس okay. اوكي بوصوارو مرسي ويا ريت اكثر من البيرو روني بالبلد خلينا يكون ابن عمه او ابن خالو <تصفيق> سؤالي من سنة ونص كان عندك انتربيو مع نجيب ماتي فور مي ات وازنت يور ستايل اوف انترفيو اول سؤال بدي اعرف اذا كانت يور تشويس ولا ال بي سي تشويس فور وات ريزن ثاني سؤال وات بير فيدباك بعد سنة ونص من هالانتربيو هاو يو سي ات Okay, it was my choice because it is always uh, my choice. LBC respect me as an independent choice, uh, as an independent show, so they never impose anything. For a journalist like me that is not from the domain, having for the first episode of the season the Prime Minister is something good. So uh, uh, maybe I would prefer to have Roni Shatak, but it's nice to have the prime minister. So I did it with great pleasure. How was the prime minister? Uh, I'll tell you something very honestly, uh, because I dislike the policy of the man, but uh, it's amazing. And maybe it's the first time I I tell it uh, live. Uh, Usually those first class politicians they annoy me a lot. With uh, what are the questions, etc. Because they are used in Lebanon to have the questions beforehand. Everything is scripted. It's like a comedy show, uh, but it's a tragic show. So I never do that, and this is an ethical stance in in the program. Uh, so I always refuse to first class politician. I accepted. Uh, sometimes to technicians, you know, if a public transportation guy that is not used, I'm not here to judge him, he's not running for office. I can be more collaborative, but for politician, I never do that. So uh, 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 Najib Mi'ati is one of the few, uh, not to say maybe the only one, Sammy Jmail is another one because Sami also is a close friend of mine from childhood. And he never asked me for question because I he knows that I'm like that. Uh, but Najib Mi'ati never asked for anything. At the point that I doubted the same day that I had the interview. So I called his media advisor. I said, are we scheduled tonight live? He said, yes, why? I said, but no one called me. You don't want to know what are the teams? He said, no, the prime minister didn't ask. I said, okay. So I went to the uh, Asr al-Hakoumih. And the guy came 10 minutes before. He just we, we had a five-minute chat. He didn't ask anything. He just said to me, I respect your show. And I wanted to do the, the show because he asked for it. Uh, because you are a credible show and I want to prove my credibility and, and, and so on. What was amazing to me is that the prime minister didn't have a paper uh, in front of him. You, usually they are very well prepared. Huh? They have uh, advisors, papers, etc., it was a very critical moment and I saw the intellectual power of the man that I didn't see uh, when he changed the hour in a, in a five-minute chat. It's amazing, but he, he is very confident. He knows by heart, you know, the, the figures. The, uh, so he, he is quite impressive in his uh, stance and know-how, but I totally disagree, of course, with his politics.
2: I want to wrap it up. Uh, sorry, are there any other questions before we wrap have it up? One yes. It.
1: Yeah.
2: Is, uh, please. Two, two questions.
1: Hello. Hi, Albert. I know you always give me the opportunity to ask questions, but I never take them. So uh, tonight is the right place. Uh, in light of the absence of, so in light of the absence of political reforms, in light of no hope of having the IMF, and if we have them. As Diana said uh, on Instagram, like our best case scenario is in Pakistan scenario or an Egypt scenario. In light of no political uh, offer on the horizon, in light of losing hope uh, after Sabataj Tishreen, honestly, the question is very simple, but I guess the... The answer would be, may, might be very complicated or might not be, there might not be an answer. So, where should we start from here? So, all our options are gone except starting from ourselves, which we are all doing, starting from you or everyone around here. But really, where should we start from? We have no choice
3: left. True, the situation is gloomy. Start from organizing yourself, either politically or in a syndicate or in a trade, or I don't believe in individual power. I believe in collective power. So uh, I believe that if we are to live in this country, it's worth a try to organize ourselves. So join a political party, create a political party, join a syndicate, join a, a body we all owe to this country uh, like half a day of our time a week to do advocacy to try to make things progress. Is the result guaranteed? No, absolutely no. But we live here. What's guaranteed is that if we don't organize ourselves, this country will become is already pretty much a nightmare and will become a true nightmare in a couple of months or years. We should Absolutely organize ourselves, get politicized, and stand for our opinion. Everyone in his or her own domain. So I'm not patronizing anyone, but everyone should move. The beauty of this country, I quit France to come here because I feel I belong. I belong to a people. I belong to a citizenship. I belong to a group. So uh, in France, I was just a taxpayer, a citizen that uh, used to care only about my personal Uh, welfare
1: for for six years trying to make a change like really uh, sacrificing all of her uh, 20 years like from when she was 24 until she's today like 31 years old and maybe she's going to go again into this but we're we are, the, the mafia is so well uh, in the ground that that even the best efforts we're doing are going into, into nothing, into the end.
3: That's no, it. no, not into nothing. Your wife, for example, who was member of a municipality, but a junior member in a maybe, I don't know the case, but a corrupt municipality, now has enough experience, legitimacy, exposure, name recognition to run for the presidency of the municipality and I'm sure in her constituency there are enough uh, uh, honest people who will back her. Maybe she will not win but it's a decent battle to, to be waged. So I believe we should all do it because if you don't do that it's better to leave the country and emigrate because uh, the country is going to kill you and it's going to eat you so we should us honest people decent young and not young elder but really honest and caring people we should organize and structure ourselves this is our destiny
2: samar you wanted to ask a question well uh, yeah a bit of an intervention actually oh sorry
3: <clears throat> all
0: right so um, we did we did
2: cover a lot of important
0: aspects, one of the most important ones covered was the lack of public transportation, which which is really Uh, definitely a big... You like that? Yeah, Uh, definitely. It's it's not only an economic uh, hindrance, it's also a cultural hindrance and a mixing hindrance. But the other aspect that I feel is also lacking is the one of education. We are very proud of ourselves as Lebanese for being educated and everything, yet our history books stop at the Declaration of Independence. And that, for me, is a major flaw. It's one of the reasons why these political parties and the sectarian system continue to propagate. Yes. But my question to you is more of an economic one, since you're an economist. How can there exist so many different levels of um, dollar rates or exchange rates? I mean, it just doesn't, it it defies my senses, honestly. And Mm -hmm. I'd like somebody to answer that.
3: No, it's a very nice question. First, I agree on uh, education. I agree a lot on on public transportation. Okay, having many dollar rates is the proper of failed states. So who are the states uh, that have many dollar rates? It's Venezuela and the like of Venezuela, okay, and Iran, of course, and and some other countries. So why they do that? Technically, also, it's it's maybe uh, lengthy uh, to, to, to go through it because, in fact, they subsidize a dollar for certain use. So they subsidize, for example, today, Sairafa rate. You all know about Sairafa. Sairafa rate is always 20% below the market rate, okay? Those 20% are subsidized, it's a subsidy, by the central bank. How does the central bank do that? They print Lebanese currency, because the central bank can print Lebanese currency. So this is the worst system of all, because you are creating multiple fictitious rates and to maintain alive those rates, you are printing money because inside Sairafa, you are printing money and buying Lebanese pounds at a loss. And this loss is incurred by all depositors. Uh, and also they have rates for now EDL and so on. So they are segmenting. And to access the subsidized rate, this is a crony system. So you must be from the jameha of the Sultan of the, or the banks. So this is how Cuba lived for t- the 30 years. And this is how all those states live. So the dollar is at 100,000. I create a specific dollar for 60, at 60,000. And only the friends of the regime or the friends of the banks that get an approval have access to this dollar at 60,000 pounds. The difference of, the difference of 40,000 is a loss that is incurred by the central bank and printed. So it further deteriorates the global climate and the official or the black market rate. So this is all at the expense of honest citizens. That's why I'm Completely against Syrafa. Completely against. Syrafa is a survival of the old system that ruined Lebanon. Because what ruined Lebanon? It's subsidies. Subsidies in the housing allowance, subsidies in the dollar at 1,500, subsidies for L, subsidies for petrol. And they used to bribe us. And if we don't conceptualize that, We didn't understand the Lebanese crisis. So I I thank you for this question because this is essential. In fact, what the Sultan did for 20 years is they bribed massively everyone, everyone, including myself, because we consumed at 1,500, we bought foreign cars, we consumed foreign goods in a subsidized manner. We bought apartment in Ashafīya and Hamra at a subsidized rate by the central bank to buy our silence. But subsidies always have a cost. The cost never disappear in economy. So Riyad Salemi, Gini was to hide the cost because he did fake accounting. So he hide the cost. He hide the cost until the system was unbearable anymore and everything exploded in our face. And they are still continuing with the subsidy scheme, which is completely crazy. At the beginning of the crisis, in 2019 we had 36 billion dollars in reserves. You know how much Argentina has in foreign dollar reserve? Argentina they have 4 billions. We had 8 times the amount of reserve of Argentina. The uh, uh, public transportation system in Lebanon cost 300 million dollars. Reviving the train cost 500 million. A social security system cost Cost per year five four the whole infrastructure of electricity to have twenty four hours electricity, it cost one billion and a half. We could have made it a Hong Kong with the thirty six billion, but what they did is they, they depleted, depleted all the reserves on subsidies that went to Syria for the majority of them, just to buy the silence of people and just because those people are idiots and they don't have a clue and the solution to the economic so- uh, problems wow. of the country. So that's it. It's a tragedy. Tragedy. <laughs> I, let, yes. let me
2: wrap it up. <laughs> Albert, let me, let me wrap it up with my own, uh, my own question. Guys, it's just a few more minutes and we'll... Th- there is a time, not that long ago, nine years ago, actually, where you had longer hair than me. Yes. <laughs> True. True. I met you, I don't know if you remember, I met you, I think it was January 2014 at Sammy Ismail's home for dinner. True. Sammy Ismail called me. Uh, I spoke on TV and he invited me to his home. True. I didn't know you. We had a dinner together and the dinner, to the best of my knowledge, my recollection, is largely reflecting the conversation we're having now. Absolutely. At that point in time, maybe the focus was a little heavier on Hezbollah because it was a personal story for me. We discussed also the trails of, uh, of Beirut. Yes. I remember
3: very, very well. Right,
2: right. Yes. That's good memory. Yes. Hasbollah was in the room with us while we were having dinner. And for me, it was a it was a rare occasion to meet Sami Jmeil for the first time and to meet you and to try to put myself in the story and see what am I going to do here for the rest of my life. Nine years later, we're sitting side by side. We're sharing our perspectives on a country that only got worse. And that topic that was discussed back then, we brought it up tonight, but that's the one topic I think that we really don't have any control over. And that's the topic that I believe has crippled us to our core and made Lebanon unrecognizable. So can you imagine in your lifetime and mine, we're roughly the same age, you're a few years younger than me. Where that issue is behind us. Didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> you're, I'm, I'm 41, you must be...
3: I'm nearly 43, so I'm your elder. Oh, you're Behave, oh. Oh. behave.
2: <laughs> That's. 45. I always thought you were a little younger.
3: No, I, I look younger, but...
2: Uh... <laughs> Get him another drink. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, this should be the show on (laughs) LBC. How old are you? You look old. 43. 43. (laughs) 43.
3: Uh,
2: that, That issue, I want to hear from you because you've been very straightforward tonight about it. Can you see that issue fading so that everything you talked about, from the nostalgia related to the practical, to the policy, to the central bank, to the anthropological desires that you outlined earlier, to everything that's public and inaccessible right now, all of that. Can you imagine that fading so that we can finally rebuild this country once and for all? I have difficulty seeing it. I wanted to see if you see it, how you see it, and maybe that's the vision for
3: 2030 that your show is all about. Thank you, Roni. This is a tricky question to end uh, to end this podcast, and I, I don't have really uh, a scripted answer. But I, I believe we have okay. Hezbollah issue is not in our hands. Hezbollah issue is a regional one, mm-hmm. like the Syrian presence in in, in Lebanon was mm-hmm. a regional and uh, issue. What we did wrong uh, while the Syrians were here was that we didn't. Lay the foundation of a sustainable state post-Syrian evacuation. Mm. And I don't want to repeat this mistake because I was part of the first mistake. Mm. And I'm very keen on not being part of the second mistake. That's why I acknowledge that there are certain things where I don't have control on. But they are saying there are things where I have control on. So, What I have control on are three things. Meanwhile, because Hezbollah will be resolved regionally. First of all, is mumena itl mumena. So I will never accept the logic of Hezbollah, and the logic of Hezbollah is a cultural logic, it's a geopolitical logic, it's an economical logic, it's a violence-rooted narrative, etc. So I believe we must have a cultural resistance towards the stance of Hezbollah and to reduce the influence of Hezbollah's narrative. And this is within our control and we can do it. This is first. Second, then, is to address the Shia community. And this is, I hate and I have evolved a lot on this front. The most dangerous thing is to associate the Shia with Hezbollah. This right. is very dangerous. Kilmit السنه Is انا Anna زي حدا الشو تبعي انا ما بتطلع منه. <تصفيق> <تصفيق> ما في, شيء اسمه في طائفة بأمة composed of individual ان so I believe that we should, as sovereignist thinkers and politicians, address a message of friendship to the Shia and not uh, uh, alienate them. We should talk with them and we should understand their fears. As I was saying before, we should understand the fears of the Christian. This applies also to the Shia. Okay, Hezbollah, rehabilitated the pride of the Shia community. I'm against Hezbollah, but I acknowledge that. Hezbollah liberated the South. I hate to acknowledge that, but I acknowledge that. But I speak to the Shia directly. Do you want a state? Shall we build a state together? Shall we build a common goal? Shall we build a common objective? How many... Corporation that Hezbollah create, how many jobs did Hezbollah create? What Hezbollah has done with your culture, with your open culture. This is the dialogue I want to engage with the Shia while understanding their cultural, not all of them, because I never put a community in a there is diversity, but maybe a majority or a portion of the Shia. So we are ready to dialogue with the Shia while, while uh, not accepting Hezbollah's behavior in Lebanon. May I offer nuance to that very nuanced Of course, take? nuance
2: is the key. Nuance is the key. I will disagree with the premise. Yes. I don't think Hezbollah, culture, and Shia have anything to do with each other. I agree. Okay, so agree. talking to friends in the audience, talking to friends we have, talking to the Shia. Hezbollah could get stronger, Hezbollah could get weaker, but that dialogue has nothing to do with it. I'm talking more security. The security stranglehold that has turned Lebanon into a war zone long past its civil war.
3: Can we do anything about that? Yes, we can. And I'll, I'll reply with a metaphor. Okay. If a crocodile fights with, I already told you this. Yeah, I, I think so. Once after so. a few whiskeys. <laughs> okay. If, 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 if a crocodile has a fight with a, with a bear, a big bear, who wins between a crocodile and the bear? Depends which one's drinking whiskey. <laughs> One. Second, it depends. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's in the water, the crocodile will win. Right. I don't want to go into Hezbollah's terrain. I want to stay in my terrain. My terrain is the terrain of law, is the terrain of culture, is the terrain of development, of employment, of diversity, of life. And I believe why I, I am saying we must have a dialogue with the Shia, because the Shia are today the main constituency of the Hezbollah. You don't have a lot of, uh, of Christian or Sunni of Druze voting for them. So my dialogue with them is to build bridges with them and avoid, uh, uh, um, let's say, cornering them or stigmatization Mm. of a community Mm. to build bridges with them and to say, okay, those are a common goal. The path to reach that doesn't involve Hezbollah because it involves the creation Mm. of a state. Mm. This is the only thing we can do Mm. is to portray Mm. a state, to have a program of a state And not to accept the logic of Hezbollah all along the way while waiting for an international Mm. uh, uh, alignment of stars that would strip Hezbollah of its domination over Lebanon. Do you think that peaceful
2: way of dialogue and proactive persuasion has a relationship to security that
3: is regional and geopolitical? No, I, I believe they are quite dissociated. I believe the job of the dialogue is to prepare the ground. So, it's pre- okay, it's preparing. No, it, there there are no links. Right, right. Okay. Hezbollah has a sovereign Iranian decision right. that we don't control. Mm. Even though 80% of the Shia are against them, it will not affect his decision. But he will have more constraints. He would need Mm. to cope. He would Mm. need to modify his behaviors. I I believe Mm. that the economic Mm. crisis has hit severely Hezbollah. Mm. And Hezbollah was kind of puzzled. Mm. Uh, They didn't have the right answer to Mm. provide to their people. So I believe this is the right way to go, to engage with the people and to build a project together while waiting. I, I do not have, I have zero expectation from that project to be able to strip Hezbollah out of its arsenal. This will happen in a regional deal, but we must prepare the ground like so, we didn't do in the Syria.
2: So it's really the groundwork, the way you were protesting in 2000, lining up for what would happen in yes. 2005. Yes. Albert, I could talk to you for another two hours, mm-hmm. but we must not annoy the audience. So <laughs> we will have a, a drink with the audience. Thank you for tonight. Thank you to the audience for the fantastic you. questions. Thank you, Rony. So guys, if you like the podcast, it's at the Beirut Banyan on social media. Next week is Nadim Shadi. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a more ultimate examination of this country. He's a historian and an economist as well. Uh, Albert Costanyan on Twitter. And thanks again. Thank you, Rony. <laughs>
4: Oh, uh, right. the